Hallelujah. Just stay up on your feet if you would. Hallelujah. Come on, just stretch your hands high in the air tonight. Come on, right now, just begin to stir up your innermost being right now. Come on, right now, just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Begin to stir up your most holy faith tonight. Right now, just begin to call those things that are not as though they are. Come on, right now, begin to speak in that impossible situation that all things are possible. Come on, right now, begin to prophesy. Begin to prophesy into your tomorrow. Begin to declare that tomorrow is a great day. Tomorrow is a blessed day. Tomorrow is a healed day. Tomorrow is a victorious day. Come on, life and death are not in the hands of Satan. Life and death is in the power of your words. Lord, we choose life. We choose blessing. 
Lord, I declare that service tonight is outstanding. Lord, I declare tonight that service is exceptional. Lord, that we don't have a a dry night. I'm not interested in a dry season. I'm not interested in being full of worry. I'm not interested in being broke. I'm not interested in in this or that. But Lord, I thank you that, that you've come to let me live life and I can live life abundantly. Lord, we just love you tonight. Come on, just give the Lord one more shout of praise tonight. Come on, one good shout of praise. Hallelujah. If you got somebody sitting next to you, slap them a high five and tell them you are in the right place tonight. Come on now. I said, slap my high five. Tell them they're in the right place tonight. Hallelujah. I feel good tonight. Come on. Does anybody feel good tonight? I know James Brown is dead, but I feel good. My wor- I preached a song, I feel good. My worship leader wrote a song, I feel good. Man, when we sing that song, it is a praise song that lifts our church up, man. It's just something that is good about shouting, I feel good. Would you just look at your neighbor and tell him, I feel good tonight. And you might have had to make a faith statement. See, some people, if they didn't feel it, they wouldn't say it. It doesn't matter what you actually feel. You got to speak it anyway because you don't walk by what you feel. You don't walk by what you see. You walk by faith. And there comes a time when you got to tell yourself how to act. My flesh doesn't determine my church attendance. My mind doesn't determine my mentality. See, my flesh It is my slave and my mind is my servant, but my spirit is my king. And there are many times when my flesh doesn't want to get up and do what God wants me to do. But I I make my spirit tell my flesh to carry me where I need to be. Well, I think you're excited tonight. I'm not sure yet. Monday, Sunday night. What night is it? Tuesday? Man, from Sunday to Sunday when I get back home, we'll be in nine church services, so I'm losing track of how many I preached and how many I've been in. I love the local church. I love building the local church. The local church represents the body of Christ on earth. And I'm going to tell you what, the church is still the most powerful thing on planet earth. Come on, you might think, well, that hospital's got a lot of powerful drugs in it and a lot of uh, uh, wonderful doctors in it. But I'm going to tell you, the church has a more powerful drug. The church has a more powerful situation called the anointing. Mm. 
Sunday night we learned about Ephesians chapter 1 that when we are in him and we are covered by the blood that he has predestined us to walk in our inheritance and as we are in him and covered by the blood partaking of our inheritance then he seals us or makes it almost impossible for us to get out of it. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Then we slipped over in Colossians and realized that we are pre-qualified. Come on, some Somebody shout pre-qualified. I know there was a day when you didn't have a lot of money. You went to buy a car and they kept telling you, no, not that one. You went to get a house. No, not that one. But there came a day when you went to the bank and got pre-qualified and you knew what you could get. So when you picked it out, it was yours. Well, guess what? God has pre-qualified you. You don't have to wait on your healing or wait on your blessing. You are pre-qualified to have it. There are too many people fighting for something when we already possess what most people are fighting for. Randall Black is not fighting for the victory. I'm living in the victory. But thanks be to God, which has given me the victory. So if I'm fighting for it, I'm telling God he didn't win it. We need to fight from the victory, not for the victory. Then last night we learned that we need a new mindset. That when we are in him, covered by his blood, That when we accept Christ, he downloads his nature into us. We are like a hard drive of a computer. And when we accept Christ, we have got the new 4G or whatever God's mentality is. He has downloaded that into us. But then the enemy will come and corrupt our mind. And we will protect our cars with locks. We'll protect our homes with deadbolts and with guns and no trespassing signs, maybe a fence, maybe a dog, but we won't protect our mind. We'll get somebody off our property and not let anybody touch our car, but we'll let the enemy put a virus in our mind that will eventually get downloaded in our hard drive. And last night we cleaned out the hard drive. So tonight I want you to open to Mark chapter 11. Is the volume all right for everybody? I know in my throat surgery, it's not too loud for you, is it? No, all right. So, you know, if I feel weak, y'all can just pump me up. And if somebody says it's too loud, we'll go back down. (laughs) Amen. Mark chapter 11. Now, I want to show a hands. How many are in him? Raise your hand. How many are covered by the blood? Raise your hand. How many have gotten a new mindset? Raise your hand. How many are ready to walk in their inheritance? Raise your hand. Okay, so when we get into here, I don't need to have any resistance then because you worshiping my God and I'm worshiping your God and we're all in him and with God all things are possible so there shouldn't be no sacred cows we got to slaughter. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. I believe the King James may say, Have the faith of God. Now some people struggle with that. 
What do you mean? I'm going to have the faith of God. That's impossible. He's God and I'm not. Now, wait a minute. If we're in him and he's in us, come on, somebody say amen. Then if God is in me, what type of faith am I going to have? God faith. Jesus said the works I did, you should do also. We looked in Philippians last night that we should have the mind of Christ. And then it goes on to explain that, that we learned last night. And that mind of Christ is, he did not think it robbery that he could be like his father. And Paul said we should have that same mentality that we shouldn't think that I can't be like my daddy. Now, if you're spending... (coughs) A lot of time with Oprah Winfrey, you're going to have Oprah faith. If you're spending a lot of time with Dr. Phil, you're going to have Dr. Phil faith. If you're spending a lot of time with uh, uh, listening to the news, then you're going to have CNN or Fox News faith. But if you're spending a lot of time with Father, if you're spending a lot of time in the Word, then you won't think it's strange when the Word says, or Jesus says, have the faith of our Father God. Now he's going to go on and he's going to break it down a little more. For assuredly I say to you, whoever, okay, we're not talking about fivefold ministry here. Well, I know Benny Hinn can have it and Bishop Jakes can have it and Ed Young can have that kind of faith. But man, I can't have that kind of faith. I work at the hospital. Or no, he said whoever. Everybody shout whoever. Whoever. Come on, shout whoever. whoever. Whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt. Now reference James there. If you're doubting, you're double-minded and God don't answer anything that you have to say. In his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Jesus goes on in John 15 that if you're in me and I'm in you, then whatever you say shall come to pass. Oh, I don't like that kind of preaching, brother. Well, then you don't like Jesus. Because Jesus said that you can speak it, and if you're in him, it's not you talking. It's him talking through you. So, well, brother, what if I ask for the wrong thing? You're not going to ask for the wrong thing if you're in him and he's in you. You're not going to be asking for your neighbor's wife. You're not going to be asking for your neighbor's car because he's in you and you're in him. There's always a few bad apples on the tree, but I ain't cutting the tree of faith down because there's been one nut job out there preaching it wrong. I want to know tonight how many mountain movers are in the tabernacle of praise. You see, religion has turned us into mountain climbers, but Jesus wants us to be a mountain mover. Come on, somebody, say amen. If you're a mountain mover, shout amen. See, a lot of time the church or religion, not this one talking in generic form here, Oh, you got a problem? 
Well, here's your, here's your little climbing boots. Here's your backpack. Here's your oxygen. Here's your pickaxe. God just wants you to have this problem your whole life. And when you get to heaven, everything will be all right. Or if we just talk about it enough, the problem will go away. And religion will turn us into people that are oriented to climbing the mountain. And Jesus wants us to be people that will move the mountain. Talking about you'll see a mountain. Well, glory be to God. Look at that thing, would you? In the name of Jesus, cancer, you don't have a fighting chance against my God, Jehovah Rapha. In the name of Jesus, Go. But now you go to a lot of churches, oh brother, and they, that minister or that elder or that bishop or pastor or priest, they, they'll just be talking you through it and I'll help you climb it and, and I'll help you get over it. Jesus isn't interested in helping us climb it, get over it, get around it. He wants us to move it. And so I hope when I leave tonight that the tabernacle, I know you already are. I know I'm just putting wind in your sail, but I hope this place is filled with mountain movers and not mountain climbers. A mountain is a lot of things. A mountain can come up against anybody. The Bible says whoever. Do you realize this? You and I are not the only ones with the problem. Your problem is not the only problem in the universe. Come on, somebody say amen. Sometimes we think, oh, we got the only problem that God can't solve. We got the only problem that nobody's ever had before. I got the only mountain that is immovable. I want you to know that you might have a mountain, but you don't know I might be facing a mountain too. I'm just not going to sit here and talk about the mountain. I'm going to talk about my God. Because I want to be a mountain mover. I don't want to be a mountain climber. That'll wear you out. Have the faith of God. Touch your neighbor and say, have God's faith. Now, aren't you glad that we serve a God that wants us to have his mentality, his ability, and his nature? Aren't you glad that we don't serve a God like when you see these Greek movies and all that? They serve these gods that want to rule over them and have special abilities that the people that worship them don't have. Aren't you glad we serve a God that says, I'm blessed, I want you blessed. I'm healed, I want you healed. I'm anointed, I want you anointed. I can move the mountain, I want you to move the mountain. We're the only people that serve a God that says, I, I want you to have my nature inside of you. And that which I did, I want you to do also. Glory be to God. For assuredly I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be removed 
and be cast into the sea and does not doubt. So you have to speak and you have to believe and the mountain will leave. Well, brother, I've been speaking to it and it hadn't gone. That means you're not believing. Now, again, this isn't me. This is Jesus. And sometimes we're too worried about trying to make everybody happy when we preach. Every now and then you need to make somebody slap happy mad at you. Sometime every now and then you need to make somebody say, I didn't like a word of that. That that got up under me. Well, sometimes getting frustrated is the best thing that will ever happen to you because that frustration will stir you to action. There have been many sermons I've heard that brought conviction into my heart that, wait a minute. I believe, but I haven't been believing like that guy was preaching about. I've been confessing, but I ain't been confessing like I heard that brother uh, confessing about. And I'll get convicted in my heart that, wait a minute, there's another level. I can go a little higher from faith to faith and glory to glory. And I get frustrated right in the middle of listening to that guy preaching. I'm like, wait, but it's a holy frustration, a righteous frustration that is calling me to action. Verse 24 says, therefore, I say to you that whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. The first John says, when you pray, If you prayed, he's heard you. And if he's heard you, then he sent the answer. Where most people fail is they keep praying for the same thing every day. That's a lack of faith. When when we pray and we declare a thing, First John says, when we pray that he has heard us, and if he's heard us, the answer has been released. I don't need to go back tomorrow and pray the same thing that I prayed and, and prayed and begged God again. I've got to release it by faith and walk on into tomorrow like it's already done. But see, we get caught up in religion. We're climbing the mountain. We're trying to get up there. And so if if I, hey, yay, and oh, and God, and help me, and yay, and oh, and Lord, we think that somehow we will find a unique way to get his attention. The only thing that gets God's attention is faith. Need don't move God. If need move God, the biggest churches in the world, God would never leave India. If need move God, he would never leave India or Cuba where I preach at. He is moved by faith in somebody in the midst of need that says, wait a minute, I see a lot of need and I see that something needs to be done and I'm going to activate my faith for my God to eradicate the need. God doesn't see the need. He'll see the faith in the one. See, I can just climb that mountain. <laughs> and I can just, yay and hey and oh and oh, but long enough. 
get God's attention. No. You can pray three days and nights and he never hear a word you say, I'm being honest. Because if you pray and you have doubt, then there's nothing getting out. Or you can just simply pray with faith and declare, I see a mountain and God, nothing is impossible because I believe mountain go. And that's really all you got to do. I know it's crazy. I've seen a lot of people wear themselves out. Huh? Almost kill themselves trying to get through something. And God's like, just open my word. And look at how I told you to handle it. If, for surely I say to you that whoever finds enough people to tell their problem to, their problem will disappear. Is that what it says? Huh? Who, whoever prays 17 days in a row and doesn't eat peas on Tuesday and ice cream on Wednesday and says this prayer out of this book that this guy wrote three times a day for five days, the mountain will disappear. No. Whoever believes and speaks. You can be a little grandmother living on the other side of hurricane in a one-room house and everybody has grown and gone and a mountain comes up and you can sit there in your rocking chair and say, God, I know you haven't forgotten me and I know that this sickness is not meant for me and I declare it to go and it'll go as quick for her as if, as if Benny Hinn gets up and waves his hand over 20,000 people. It'll work for anybody that believes. Philippians chapter 1. Go over there with me if you will. Is this all right tonight? We built, and if you're slipping in tonight, we built the last two nights up into this night. And tomorrow night, we're going to figure out, a lot of people say, I don't know what the will of God is. I, I don't know what the Lord wants me to do and not to do. Well, we're going to go into Ephesians tomorrow night, and we're just going to flat show you God's already typed out in black and white His will. Look at this, Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now look at this and pay close attention. He who began a good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Or in other words, until Jesus returns, he will keep you in completion. Colossians 2.10, remember from Monday night. For I am complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. That word complete means I lack nothing, no necessary part or element to be highly proficient in the will of God. And he said he'll keep me that way. Not I'm going to have a good week and then a bad week, a good week and a bad week. No. Y'all right tonight? Am I preaching too loud or hard or anything? Huh? <laughs> he will hold you all the way. 
Because Ephesians said he has sealed us. He has guaranteed our inheritance. He has pre-qualified us for our blessing. And so if we believe that he who began that is also capable of finishing that all the way to the end, meaning once I get in him, I am a mountain-moving, giant-killing man of God. You are a mountain-moving, giant-killing woman of God or man of God until the end. Touch your neighbor and say, all the way. Come on, all the way. Now lift your hands to heaven. Put your Bible down. Lift your hands to heaven and begin to worship the Lord right now. Come on, just begin to pray right now. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Begin to thank him right now. Come on, right now, just begin. Right now, out of your own spirit. Come on, right now, just begin to verbalize it. Come on, begin to prophesy. Come on, begin to say that I am a mountain-moving, giant-killing man or woman of God. Begin to say, no weapon shall prosper that is formed against me. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment, the Lord shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the righteous of the Lord. Isaiah 54 and verse 17. Whoa, hallelujah, Lord. Now give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Now as we look over here, there's a young man over in the old covenant, and you know the story. I'm not going to preach it to you. I just want to give you some points out of it. There was a little fella named David and a great big mountain named Goliath. Now here's a great type and shadow of what to do and what not to do. See, the the people that were afraid of Goliath were interesting in negotiating with the mountain. Try to compromise with the mountain. Well, if cancer, if you'll just leave me alone and you won't grow, I'm satisfied with just leaving you in my body as long as you're not growing. That's like leaving a tick on your jugular vein. Come on now. Now, I told you last night, I'm preaching from things I've been through. I've been through surgeries where they took things from behind my eye. They took things out of my throat. So I'm not preaching of what I think might be possible. I'm preaching from what I know is possible. A year ago, they said I may never preach again. So I'm not coming to you uh, hoping and a praying. I'm coming to you from having moved a mountain. So don't shout me down when I'm putting my faith out there. David came in up on the situation. Come on now. He was bringing lunch to his brothers. And he saw this mountain of Goliath. And he got confused at why all these mighty warrior men were afraid. See, they looked the part, but they weren't the part. And there's a lot of people in church that are looking like the part and looking holy and looking righteous and looking like we got faith. But when the mountain comes, they ain't got nothing. And then there'll come somebody that looks like nobody and point it out. And then everybody gets mad at the one that points it out. They want to shut David up. But David looked at that mountain and said, wait a minute, that mountain ain't going to stand. I'm not going to go negotiate with that army. I'm not calling the truce with Satan. If you'll lay off of me for three years, we'll lay off of you. You kidding me? 
if you just stay over there, we'll stay over here. Israel here, the Philistines there, and we'll learn to coexist and live together. Come on, somebody say stupid. So David rose up and he did some things. He took anointing with him in the battle. Write this definition down. The Holy Spirit gave me this definition for anointing. It's a supernatural power of God that enables you in the natural to flow in supernatural manifestations of God's power. It is the supernatural power of God that enables you and I in the natural to flow in supernatural manifestations of God's power. David wasn't big enough. He wasn't strong enough. He wasn't trained enough according to the king, but God had trained him in the wilderness and as a shepherd and with the lion and the bear. God had trained him but they didn't know it and in their eyes we can't let you go out here. You don't have armor. You don't have a sword but he had the anointing. Some may trust in horses and some may trust in a chariot but just give me the name of the Lord. Little fella, big mountain. Tonight, that might be you, and there might be a financial mountain in front of you. There might be a job mountain in front of you, a depression mountain in front of you, a cancer mountain in front of you, a rebellious child mountain in front of you, a wayward husband or wife mountain in front of you, a a ministry mountain in front of you. It doesn't matter the name of the mountain as long as you remember the name of your God. The Bible says who can be against us if God can be for the list of who is endless. I'm not interested in the who I'm interested in the him. It doesn't do any good for me to list all my stuff. The only thing that does me good is to list my name of my God. Now look at this. He took faith with him. Faith is this. Faith is action based on present belief. See, not everybody has the faith they had five years ago. Your faith is action based on what you currently believe because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by what we heard. It comes by what we're hearing continually. So faith is action based on current belief. I've known people at one time they had great faith, Pastor. Great faith. And I met them five years later, and they had medium faith. I met them eight years later, and they had no faith because they got out of the Word. They got out of the present. And so your faith is action that is based on your current belief. David rolled in there, and he had a belief system that I can take this giant down. Do you believe your mountain can... Do, who, who really believes? I want you to shout amen as loud as you can. If you really believe, I am a mountain mover. Let's try that again now. Because if I was a little devil over in the corner somewhere, I wasn't sure if everybody was. If you're a mountain mover, shout amen. There you go. Now tomorrow when the mountain comes, shout amen at it. 
when the mountain comes, shout the name of the Lord at it. You don't have to put up all your climbing gear and all that religious garb and all that stuff that we just got to, and just speak the word to it. And if you don't see anything change, I'm not walking by sight, I'm walking by vision. Everybody has sight, but show me somebody with vision and I'll follow them. He took anointing to his mountain, faith to his mountain. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, he took his staff to the battle. Why would you take a staff to a battle with a giant? Because his staff represented his stability. When he was climbing and walking, that staff would give him stability. So when you go into battle, you need to have anointing, you need to have faith, and you need to be stable so that you are able. Then he took five smooth stones. Come on now. I'm not going to preach about the fivefold ministry off that. I just want to preach about the smooth. Because if there had been any crack or crevice in that stone, Pastor, and Peter says that we are lively stones jointly fit together. When they built the tabernacle of old, they weren't allowed to have a hammer or a chisel on the ground of the tabernacle. They had to hewn the stone out in the quarry and carry it up. And if it didn't fit, carry it back and chisel it off. Church it in a place where I'm to beat on you and to hammer on you and to gossip about you. We're to take care of that in our prayer closet. Take care of that in our counseling session. And when we come together, we are lively stones that are jointly fit together. So he took five smooth stones. So when he launched them in the air, there would be no resistance. See if there's a rough edge on you, an anger, an unforgiveness, a doubt. The only thing that ever stopped the power of Jesus in his New Testament ministry was unbelief. The only thing a devil couldn't stop him. The Roman Empire couldn't stop him, but a house full of people with unbelief stopped him. If you have unbelief and there's a crack, when you launch out, that wind will catch that crack and throw you off course. And you'll start with a good theology, and all of a sudden you'll get cracked, you'll get weary, you'll get beat down. And as you launch out, you'll begin to go off course. So David looked around that creek bed, and he found only five smooth stones. So when he launched them out, they would go straight. So we need to be sure we got all the cracks and crevices covered before we go to the mountain. Can you say amen? The next thing he took was this, and just give me a couple minutes of your time. He took a shepherd's bag with the stones in it. The shepherd's bag represented the heart of a servant, what his calling truly was. He wasn't a soldier, yet he was going to battle. He wasn't a warrior, let he was about to face the biggest warrior on planet earth. And so he strapped on his side the shepherd's bag and that reminded him of who he was. That reminded him of his calling. That reminded him of his God. And in it were five smooth stones that would go straight when he lost them out. And then when he grabbed his shepherd's bag, he picked up his sling and the sling represented the thing he was talented with. He didn't pick up the sword of Saul. When David, uh, Goliath fell, he didn't even have a sword to finish him off with. He had to grab Goliath's sword and cut his head off with his because he took his sling. I love Copeland was in service with Jesse Duplantis Tuesday night. 
love all that, but I can't use their weapons against my mountain. I can't quote their book against my mountain. I got to pick up my sling or the thing God has anointed me with. I can't grab Parsley's sword or quote Jake's sermon. I got to pick up the thing God has anointed me with and use that to go against my mountain. See, David tried on Saul's armor, and it didn't fit. I've tried preaching other people's sermons. I added up in eight years at my church with our Tuesday service, Wednesday service, two Sunday services I do, a a third one I don't do, that I'd preached 1,092 messages at my church in seven and a half years. And don't think there wasn't a time in there and you get dry. Because then I'm on the road doing another uh, 200 a year or 170 a year. And so that'll multiply to another 800, so almost 2,000 sermons. And there's a time where, oh, man, that's a good sermon, that Ed Young priest. I can just take that and preach it, and and some good would come out of it. But things started going wrong. Things started getting dry because I was using another man's anointing and trying to let it come up out of my mouth. I had to say, God, I don't know if I can go to the pulpit with another outline, but I can go with the power of the Holy Ghost and what's in me will have to come out of me. And so when you're facing your mountain, when you're up against the wall, maybe the doctor tells you you'll never talk again. My son broke his back twice. Maybe the doctor will tell you your son may never walk again. He needs to give up all this activity and do this. Maybe you'll get a phone call from your mom that she's uh, bleeding out and dying four times in a six-month period before they can figure out what's going on. And then you're going to have to decide. I, I, I can't get a hold of that message that I heard that guy preach on, on Sunday morning. I, I can't get a hold of, of Ed Young through his website. I, I can't find that, that book that I bought that somebody wrote. If I read page three, she would be healed. And you got to call upon the name of the Lord and use the gift that's on the inside of you and speak <coughs> and speak to that mountain. How many people would be honest tonight? talking honest. It's Tuesday night. If we can't be honest on Tuesday night in church, we might as well close the doors. How many people would be absolutely honest and say, I can think of at least one mountain that I'm up against. If that's you, I just want you to stand on your feet right where you are. If you say there's a mountain, it could be doubt, it could be unbelief, it could be sickness, it could be a relative, but there's a mountain that exist in your world. I just want you to stand up on your feet. I'm standing up because I've got about 12 mountains. Sometimes I feel like Moses. I'm up against the Red Sea. I've got a mountain on my right, a mountain on my left, and I've got the enemy coming down my back. We just came out of the Panama jungle where we were down near the Colombian border, 65 miles upriver in canoe with AK-47 escorts and... I felt a mountain before I took 30 people on that trip, man. Everybody had to sign over wheels and sign certificates with the Pan-American military that we wouldn't hold them liable for death or kidnapping. I told my wife, I'll see you in 10 days. Coming home. 
Now I prepared everything my lawyer told me to prepare. I did a will and I left a letter for the church in case I was gone for a while. They would know what to do in my absence. But I just did that because that's what I had to do for them. I, I wasn't worried in my heart at all. Because I know if my God's sending me somewhere, I can trust my God to finish the work he started. And one thing I know, God don't need me in heaven. I'm no good in heaven. I'm only good on earth. Nobody needs saving in heaven. And he don't need nobody else worshiping him. He's got angels that do that and creatures that go around his head day and night. When you die, you don't become an angel. I don't even want to get into that theology. I hear that at funerals all the time. Well, my brother died and he got his wings. No, he didn't. Angels are created different than you and I, and you don't become one when you die. God don't need you in heaven yet. He needs you right here on earth. He needs you to be saving souls. He needs you to be moving mountains. I told my church the other day, I said, I'm so tired, I don't even know what to do. Dedicated my whole life to preaching the gospel and saving the lost and helping the poor. And it doesn't matter how tired I get. If I had to have 10 surgeries, if that's what it takes, I know that done, but I'm just saying that it wouldn't change the fact that I'm going to stand up and declare the word of the Lord because there's no mountain that's going to be bigger than my God. It just doesn't matter to me. Another 1,000 miles, another 10,000 next month. Well, it just doesn't matter because people need to be encouraged in the Lord. If you and I don't move the mountains, who will? I want to ask you to do what we've done the last two nights. You say there's a mountain that I'm coming against. And I'm not going to climb it anymore. I don't need any more opinions on it. I don't need any more advice on it. <laughs> I've just had an hour and three minute counseling session with the word of God. And I'm going to speak to that mountain because I'm a whoever. I want everyone that makes that declaration. I want you to leave your seat as we have. And I want you to come to this altar right to now. Every mountain moving giant killer in the building. I want you to leave your seat. Even if you don't know if you can do it or not, you take a step of faith that yes, you can. I've got mountains that I'm standing against in our community, in our church. Usually when a preacher preaches about something, it's because it's right in the middle of where he's at. I want you to join hands with your neighbor right now. I want you to pray for that one on the left and right. And I want you to prophesy over them right now. They, they might not have the strength, but you can pray the strength into them. Just begin to declare a spirit of a mountain-moving giant killer on the inside of them. That no weapon formed against them shall prosper. That no attack, no principality, and no power no mountain is big enough. No valley is low enough. 
No struggle is hard enough. No doctor's report is bad enough. For some will trust in a horse. Some will trust in a chariot. But as for the people of the Tabernacle of Praise tonight in Hurricane West Virginia, we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. God, I speak strength into my throat, Lord. I speak strength into my immune system, Lord. Lord, I speak strength into my blood system in the name of Jesus. I speak strength into my church, Faith Point Christian Center, Lord. I speak strength into Compassion in Action International, the mission organization that I sit on the board of. I speak strength into it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak strength into my mother in the weakness of her infirmity. I speak to every mountain that would come against her. And I declare that every blood disorder and every bleeding disorder and every artery disorder, Lord, that they go in the name of Jesus.